Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, are my two amazing co-hosts that just arrived back from their annual trip to Herogasm, Chris Brodell. Oh, I gotta clean my best jacket. <laughs> and Shane Beauregard. What up? I know I brought up like the one thing we're not covering today, but trust me, <laughs> we will get to the boys. We are ecstatic. We love that show. It is all going to come down. God, what what are we? Episode five or six now? What are we? On? That was six. six. That was six. Yep. So we're a couple away from wrap up on that. Yep. yep. Two. Two away. Amazing. But. You know, definitely have plenty to cover this week. Um, we're going to have the Black Phone, which came out over the weekend. We're going to have a quick thumbs up, thumbs down segment with things like Elvis, Man from Toronto, Beavis and Butt, Jerry and Marge Go Large, RRR, and The Bear. And then we're going to wrap up where we're going to take Obi-Wan Kenobi for one last trip behind the woodshed. Um, and we'll see. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you guys turned around on it. Uh, no? Okay. All right. Uh, but up top, as always, let's get to our recent activity. All right. Busy week this week. We've got so many movies and TV shows, as I mentioned. But let's start up top with a movie that we put pretty high on our most anticipated summer movies list. I want to say this was around like four or five. If I'm not mistaken, is that about right, Shane? I think it was four. I do. You yeah. In the head. So, and again, a movie that was supposed to come out in February, but it got such good audience responses that it is now a summer release. Uh, I am, of course, talking about The Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson and written by C. Robert Cargill, uh, the team that brought you movies like Sinister uh, and the first Doctor Strange film. They actually passed on doing the Multiverse of Madness uh, to do this movie. They had creative differences with the Marvel team there and decided to do this instead based on a short story by Joe Hill, uh, which if that name sounds familiar, he is indeed Stephen King's son and also the writer of, say, Lock and Key, uh, the crappy Netflix movie In the Tall Grass that I wasn't too impressed by amongst other projects horns did you guys watch horns i liked it yeah i liked horns okay uh, it was uh, always on my queue i know i know because uh you know with the harry potter thing i'm always going to try to champion the crazy stuff that daniel radcliffe does but uh i, I haven't pressed play on that one um but derrickson uh definitely likes certain people and one of them is ethan hawk who is the sort of co-lead on this as the grabber uh Mason Thames as Finney is here. Madeline McGraw as Gwen. Jeremy Davies as Terrence, a.k.a. the drunk father. Uh, James Ranson as Max, a.k.a. the grabber's dumb brother, who was also in uh, Sinister years ago for Derrickson as well. The movie's about uh, Finney, who is kind of like the main lead-ish here, uh, a shy but clever 13-year-old boy who is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement where screaming is of little use. When a disconnected phone on the wall begins to ring, Finney discovers that he can hear the voices of the killer's previous victims, and they are dead set on making sure that what happened to them doesn't happen to Finney. Pretty solid weekend for them. They came in third place in the box office 
uh, by getting, I believe it was something around 23 mil, uh, which for a movie that isn't that big a budget, um, that's pretty damn good. And that was just domestic. I think they got, you know, again, more bump internationally. Um, and their scores, Rotten Tomato, 84, with an audience score uh, around 90, last I looked. Uh, so that's really solid. Uh, 7.4 IMDb, 65 Metascore, and a 3.6 on Letterboxd. Um, this is a movie that all three of us caught over the weekend because, again, we were so into it. You guys, obviously, you were just as excited. I'll start with Chris on this one. Um I don't know. Uh, you and horror, I know Shane is the big one. So you kind of are like the great equalizer here of kind of like a baseline for this. So where do you stand with the black phone? I, uh, hold on. Is that, is that phone ringing? No, no, no. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's my imagination. I'm sorry. Um, I, uh, I, I liked Sinister, but as everyone who's heard me talk about Sinister, uh, I've always voiced my uh, distaste with how it ended mm. uh, and some of the uh, tropes that uh, followed suit in it. But by what I saw from the trailers for Black Phone, I figured maybe maybe this has something. Maybe this this looks freaky enough that I'll be impressed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was all right. It was okay. <laughs> you know, you, you like you like dead kid romps just like uh, Derrickson and Cargill do. Apparently. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, I figured he was going to lay pretty heavy into the dead kid area in this movie. Because, I mean, you that got sounds this... like the worst construction site ever. Like, dead kid area over yeah. here. Oh, the sign is Watch terrible. You got to see that. <laughs> um, crudely drawn. Yeah. Uh, with his films, uh, I feel like he, he's got to lean hard in certain areas that he doesn't. Uh, overall, I think he plays it safe and I really want him to just like go full bore and, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, shameless plug. I was on so wizard podcast. Uh, I th had a lot of fun there. We did the review for the black phone. So my thoughts in absolute full amongst other nerdy news are on that episode. So please everybody go check that out. But I actually brought you up in the episode, Chris, because Aww. when we were kind of doing our little off air chat and you used the word safe, I was like, that's actually pretty accurate between the sinister and this one and some of his other projects. When it comes down to, he is very good at a uh, visual storyteller. He can hold tension. He could do the horror thing. But when it comes to like kind of literally going for the kill, yeah, he, he's very hands off. He's very distant. Like he he is kind of safe in playing out those scenarios. He's more the mysticism stuff. He really likes that. And obviously, even because that's how sinister kind of plays. Where that one's kind of like a you know an investigative who done it, uh, which I think why that movie works a little better for me. Then this movie, because this one, once they get in the basement, I feel like that's when things get a little safer and a little, you know, formulaic a little. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Which honestly, once I heard that this was a Joe Hill story and I feel I, I'm a big King fan, too. But a lot of this with King happens, too, where even his kind of fall in that safe thing where it relies on really good dialogue 
excellent kid performances because a lot of them revolve around kids and childhood and things like that. And obviously this story is no different. And it kind of leaves it up to a pretty straightforward plot from there. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have that kind of surprises. And there, with this particular story, uh, a lot of the things I keep saying is <laughs> the good reviews say <laughs> by friends of mine, not like maybe critics, but like uh, are like, don't read into this movie at all because you'll hate it. <laughs> but if you just go for the ride, then you'll be fine. And I kind of agree with that because after watching it, I was satisfied. But after, if you thought about like, oh, well, why did this? Why did this happen? There's very little depth in terms of any storylines that they kind of move around. But it, it, it's the mileage of how much that bothers you either in the moment or after is how you're going to treat this movie. Uh, I did have one little hang up uh, within the film itself. And it happened as it did on screen. Mm-hmm. When uh, Finney hears the voices on the phone, right? These kids don't know who they are, but they yeah. can give details as to what they did when they're in the room. Yeah, but then details also fade, as in mm-hmm. you know, uh, I I don't want to get too specific on this, but even like the, you know, some of the things where he's trying to use to escape are like, yeah, I did this. Oh, but I don't remember what I wrote exactly or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little back and forth in terms of what is available to them. Um, but again, like it, like I said, not all of that bothered me in the moment. So I did feel pretty good about the movie after it ended. And if, but I also I don't know if you guys have this happen to you ever. Do you ever sit in a movie and they clap at the end and you're like, I didn't like it that much. This is clapping worthy because I don't clap often. At the movies. And I was at a 945 showing on a Thursday night that was packed and they clapped. So take that for what it is. Shane, did you feel this was a clapper of a movie? Uh, No. And I'm glad you brought that up because people stood up at the end of Jurassic Park and I actually told them to sit down. Like, just sit (laughs) down. No. That is not clap worthy. But so, no. I was, and I kind of talked to Chris a little off air uh, yesterday and I said, the problem I have with this movie is I think I had the bar set too high. Mm, yeah. And when I got done with the movie, I felt okay, but it's not a horror movie. Let's just put that out there right now. It's It felt more of like a drama slash thriller. It lacked that punch that you guys, I guess you guys use the word safe. Yeah. I was waiting just for like a, I don't know, some kind of big impact and it never, it never got there for me. I thought Ethan Hawke's grabber character was, he, he didn't do anything for me. Though I, I did, I did like the mask though. I was and shout out to Tom Savini, who's a, a goddamn genius when it comes to that stuff. And you know, for people who don't know, classic movies up and down for this guy: Friday the Thirteenth, Dawn of the Dead, Prowler, and goes on and on. Amazing work. No, the mask is great, but his character, I it just lacked depth. And I was like, again, it once it got down to the basement, it was pretty much a straightforward movie. And I just, I guess, yeah. I wanted to see some more character development within the main characters. I thought the strongest scenes and the scenes I enjoyed the most were between uh, Madeline McGraw, who played his sister Gwen, and the drunk father, yeah, Yeah. Jeremy Davis. Those two together on screen and just the sister in general was my favorite character of this movie. Um, And I've never seen her before. But again, you said scene stealer. Man, everything she, every scene she was on, I was like, I'm locked in. Yeah. Once I got away from that a little bit towards the end, I I was like, oh. And again, they, 
it's funny. I'll watch certain horror movies and certain tropes don't bother me. And then certain tropes bother me. Yeah. And I thought the last third of this movie, especially when they brought in the brother Max, I had a huge issue. And I, we're not talking spoilers, so I'm kind of trying to talk my way we around We can this. in a moment. We can okay. in a moment. I just want to give people some warning yeah, before yeah. we do. It, 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 that bothered me when I sat there and thought about it. it. I was like, that made no sense. But overall, I don't. It feels like I'm coming down too hard on this movie. I'm not. I enjoyed it, but my own expectations are too high. So if you're going in, like you said, looking for like just a horror movie, it's not this type of movie. It's not. So. Yeah, I think again because this trailer was so good, and the and the things that stick with you are things like the iconography of the mask when you're watching the trailer, and then obviously even watching the movie that does stick with you. Um, and obviously you mentioned it, uh, the performances of the brother and sister, that whole first act, I enjoyed a lot because I thought they had a lot of good child performances here or young people performances. That whole, usually school stuff goes back and forth with me, but I was more riveted with that. And honestly, like you said, with Ethan Hawke, he, he was fine. I thought it obviously worked more towards the end than it did initially, but like, (laughs) I was more scared of their dad than I was Ethan Hawke. Because yes. that guy is a time bomb. And oh, yeah. it, it, this movie, uh, that happens because this movie is a 70s movie. And obviously, uh, Derrickson and Cargill love that kind of era stuff. Because even with Sinister, the, the crimes all happen in more like the older era. And you get like that, you know, real to real stuff and everything else. <laughs> so they like that. Uh, and even the opening of this and Sinister, they always have that kind of home video stuff look that they like to play with. I like all that. I do. Um, but, yeah, this was definitely uh, a relic. Cause like, so much violence <laughs> between children and their parents. Between the, Like, everything just, woo, man. <laughs> there was no punches held with that. That was no. just like, that That was like, that was brutal uh, itself with, uh, with the bullies at the school. I'm like, yeah. Jesus, oh, these yeah. kids are psychopaths. Yeah. When you're running from class to bathroom to try to hide, I mean, I kind of get that. It's not like that didn't happen in my my childhood, but man, I'm sure if it was even worse before then, uh, I I would imagine it was. And man, they don't pull pull back at all on this one. You guys want to get into some spoilers? Yeah, I, I have a yeah. few. All right, so I would say you know again, if you're listening to this, I try to timestamp stuff, but you know at least. You know, give us a couple minutes if you want to hang on for the more quick thumbs up, thumbs down of some other stuff we're going to have in a minute. But, yeah, definitely worthy of saying some spoilers on this one because I wrote down there uh, is no depth, as I mentioned before, with some of these things. And I just have like a short list and you guys can kind of, you know, give your, your points on these. No depth into how or why this family seems to have psychic abilities. No reason for why the grabber also hears the phone. Is he, like, tied into that somehow? What is the the deal with the phone? Um, No reason for why he wears those masks. No reason for why and why it changes, too. No reason for why it's kids, besides the fact that it's easier to grab them. And he doesn't seem like he has a predilection. It just seems he wants to kill. So it doesn't really... And his, like, he doesn't have, like, a timeline with how... Like, his, his character is very thin in terms of what he has in store for these kids and when there's like, there's no ticking clock besides when he says, you know, gets a little bit more mad and then decides maybe the timeline increases. And then of course (laughs) my favorite, 
Why is that phone down there? It doesn't match the decor. There's nothing there. Uh, and it's a broken phone uh, of anything. So, you know, interior design, interior de- decorator is not something that's going to be on the grabber's list. <laughs> but nope. it, ju- it just makes no sense. And, of course, rolled up carpets. You know, it's like he almost, like, did actually try to design it to be creepy. <laughs> like, he tore up everything that made it look more homey. It needs um, that female touch. Yeah, but then left everything around when clearly, even the phone, especially if it doesn't work, dude, that's a weapon waiting to happen. So it just and he was going to try it. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to be very thought out in that. Do, do a lot of those resonate with you guys? Did you think about that during the movie, Shane? I guess I'll ask you. Yeah, no, I that that's what I meant. Like they didn't go into enough explanation as far as like what his motives were, like his character in general, like. I did notice that they go, he hears a phone, but they never brought it up again. I'm like, well, if he hears a phone, why is he just like, it just was maddening some of the inconsistencies of his character. Like you said, the mask, it changes. Why does it change? Is it on his mood? Is it just the day of the week? I I don't know. Yeah. Was he washing one part? Did he get stains (laughs) on it? Does he eat with it? (laughs) Right. So, again, a lot of it has to do with the grabber's background. That's the biggest issues I had with the movie and the whole Max thing. And I thought it was going to correct itself at the end of the movie when, surprise, surprise, there's two houses. I thought that would... Because my whole thing is like, how is Max not noticing his brother in a creepy-ass mask staring at the basement door? Right. And I thought maybe that was in the place where they put the kids. But no, it really wasn't. It was in the place where he was being held. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, how do you live in the same house with your brother and not know any of that's going on? Yeah, very all? true. That Chris, just how made about you, zero man? sense to me. Yeah, uh, the whole uh, different house uh, situation. I was wondering, first of all, how it was soundproof when the window was There's right window. there. Yeah, and he broke off the vent, but the grabber isn't upset that the vent's on the floor now. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't know, uh, and, too many and things for him to to sure. be available. And when he smashes the wall, it's not like there was any added stuff in there. There was, you know, it's foundation, it's whatever. Like, I don't understand, you know, what the ceiling looks like or anything like that to see whether it's soundproof. They just kind of say that and you just kind of just, okay, fine. I'll I'll roll with that. Did you, uh, Chris, uh, have anything where I, I, there are certain things about this movie that I thought compared to other movies. Did you think this was like any other movie you saw or that you can compare it to? I got some uh, Silence of the Lambs vibe Interesting. from it. How's that? Uh, well, especially uh, towards the end of Silence of the Lambs, you know, the whole house situation mm. uh, coming across, you know, you want to ask this guy some questions, but it turns out, you know, he's the guy you're looking for. Right. Um, True. But uh, yeah, there was, it was just, it had that like vibe to it. And I, that's one thing that Scott Derrickson, Derrickson does is he sets atmosphere. He really yeah. does make it creepy. He does make it feel like it's from the 70s uh, or the era that he's uh, trying to portray. Yeah. But overall, like, you know, you can see certain touches of influence Yeah, uh, that he has. And I believe he had, I forgot where I read this, but he had a couple of influences uh, that he named for this movie. Yeah, and I was the like, Devil's I see Backbone that. and 400 Blows, I yeah. believe you said. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can see that, but not like I don't see it fully. Devil's Backbone is way scarier than this movie. Oh my god, yeah, like you really don't know what's going on in that until it's you know finally revealed. Check out that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but overall, like uh, 
like Shane said, the third act kind of loses its punch by having like Jeremy Davies after a conversation with Gwen. Yeah. Uh, suddenly he's a new dad. He's like, you know, a caring father at this point. Sure. I'm just like, I don't understand the motivation. I think he always, I think he always was. It just his wife's death and trying to protect the kid. He like snaps between just being a drunk now because of the pain and now being like overly protective of his kids who seem to have similar abilities or or delusions or mental illness, whatever he thinks it is. Um, that he thinks that's the next step. He's got to look out for them. So I understood that not right away, but obviously as the movie unfolds, I kind of get it. But I don't think he's some sweetheart. I just think he's just he's just broken now. So I, you kind of don't know where he was or what he's capable of, except for the violence that he obviously portrays. Oh, my God. Like how these kids don't just walk around not being black and blue all over. I know it. Between the you bullying know. at home or in school is just outrageous. They um, both had the crap beat out of them uh, right on that lawn. I know. <laughs> like, I just he have got to say, curb stomped. Yeah, I have to say, the one scene that made me laugh is when the bullies were beating the hell out of the brothers. Sister jumps and hits the kid with the rock, right? Loved it. And yeah. he's sitting there by the by, he's just sitting by the wall, and she just, like, sits up right next to him, and they're, like, looking at each other. He's got blood just coming all yeah. down his head. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know why that that scene amused me because it was like so just like out of, yeah, it was crazy. She was good. She was a great character. I, right. I, I really loved every moment that she was on screen. Yeah, really. she was great. Um, real quick, I brought that up a little bit about the, the movie comparisons because I had uh, shades of um, signs because of like, you know how they kind of like piece the stuff together to kind of get the villain at the end in signs like i kind of felt the same thing was happening not a crisis of faith they used the phone instead but like merrick's every way yeah exactly you know all that stuff uh you know the asthma and that one all the things that kind of ended to where it's one big pivotal scene that they kind of put all the pieces together that's what this one had um i also felt uh which i believe shane likes a lot of frequency um where yes. it's kind of like talking through a device that you can kind of time travel in a sense or or speak to the dead or however it works that i felt like those two movies kind of were reminiscent in here but i definitely like i like those two movies better than this movie though um, oh yeah frequency oh my god uh, do you have any daddy or... issues <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that movie is for you yeah no. so that that movie is for finney when he grows up yes. after his dad beat the shit out of him yep <laughs> and him and his uh sister there all right, uh, let's put a quick grade on this so we can get to the other films. Uh, Chris, where do you sit with this out of five stars? Out of five stars, I would say two and a half. Oh, okay, that low. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shame, uh, where but, are you? But oh, I, I encourage to see it. Okay. It's weird. It's weird. I go a little higher. I go three. Okay. I was on record on uh, on So Wizard as I basically went <laughs> i i was able to do quarters so i said 3.25 because i would okay. say if you talk to me after the film ended i was like maybe it's a three and a half 3.25 and then i started to like slowly scale back and i was like ah but is it a three i'm like because it did entertain me all the way through even though it doesn't hold water a lot once you leave the theater so that's where i was kind of like i'm in a 3.25 um 
But like I said, I, I I prefer Sinister, even though I hear Chris's voice. Uh, maybe he maybe wasn't in on that either. I agree with you about the third act about that one, but man, that movie is so much more creepier and scarier and has way oh, more yeah. uh, punchier uh, jump scares and all the other stuff. So I'm not going to say that that ended. You know, you know, it had that perfect Hollywood ending. It, <laughs> sure. You know, it was a dark ending, but overall, I was just like, okay, well, you kind of put yourself there, buddy. Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, no, you don't feel bad for him. But as a dad, man, that whole thing, I was just creeped out. I was like, get out of the house, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I would say I, I think all of us would be like, it's worth watching, but it don't expect to be completely wowed. Um, but I know a lot of friends of mine who are like, man, this is like the best thing I watched all year. It's like, cool, watch more movies. <laughs> so This is why we do this because we're jerks, <clears throat> but that's fine with me, man. All right. Let's do a quick kind of thumbs up, thumbs down uh, rundown of the other things that we watched over this past week. Um, I want to start with Elvis. Uh, Shane Beauregard is going to probably try to not do any impressions, uh, but he will give us his thoughts on Baz Luhrmann's two hours and 40 minutes-ish epic. Two hours and 47 minutes, my friend. Yeah, how how much I, I've heard everything from the first act or the first hour is like unbelievable, and then the rest of the movie suffers. To some people, just completely trash this thing. I it's been all over the map. How do you feel? I thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Okay, thumbs up for me. And I, I think I I texted Chris when I was done watching. I think he about passed out because I said I really like <laughs> this film more than I thought I would. Because I'm not a big Baz Baz Luhrmann fan. I will say this is like the less Baz Luhrmann film you'll ever see him direct like there was some frenetic paces and some really chop editing sequences here but right. it's a straightforward biopic I mean for, for pretty much in the musical performance make it worth it I thought the worst part of the movie was Tom Hanks kind of like over the top villainous character the colonel that he plays but I was in I was in for the ride it, it actually made me break up a little bit at the end as well I thought the performance was really solid the music is great so yeah, thumbs up. I won't like going to a full thing. There was a couple nitpicky things that I had in there, but um, overall, I really find myself enjoying this more than I really thought I would. So I, I yeah, so thumbs up. Is it like similar, like a jukebox musical, like similar to like a Rocket Man or Bohemian Rhapsody, or is it just a different animal because it's Boz Lerman? It's a different animal because it's Boz Lerman. And someone asked me that, like, is it like Walk the Line? You know, the, I'm like, no, right. that was more of a dramatic movie. This had some drama in it, but it, it was more of a spectacle, just uh, entertainment value uh, with this movie right. that, that I liked. And, you know, they did skip over like his whole movie career. They did a nice bow on that, so they didn't really go into depth on that. Right. Yeah. The only thing that didn't work for me is they tried to connect like his feelings when Martin Luther King passed away and Bobby Kennedy got shot. I just felt like those that was forced into the movie a little bit. Um, but the, other than that, though, it was I it was a good ride for me. It wasn't. Typical Boz Lerman. Do they? There's two bugaboos with me with Elvis, and one, it's interesting you bring up those kind of like black leaders in the time of Elvis and those type of things. When the biggest complaint about Elvis is that he kind of ripped off black people's music and kind of co-opted it for that. So, do they dip into that? Oh, they do. They start with pretty much that how he was raised, um, him sneaking into the houses to watch to listen to the blues and jazz. But it seems. This, at least this movie made it out to be like they were all friends. Like him and B.B. King were friends. Him and okay. Little Richard were friends. So they were like, hey, 
they're not going to like listen to us, but you can get this music out to more people, kind of. So it, it felt like they were actual friends. Yeah. And they do acknowledge the fact that that's where his influence came from, was the African-American uh, soul and jazz and blues. So they don't shy away from that at all. And what about the drug use? They get into that at the end. The pills, the, the doctor shooting them up. Um, so they do get into that a lot uh, okay. towards, the, towards the end when he's in Las Vegas performing there all the time. Okay. Yeah. I will I'm I'm I might try to sneak that one in in the next week or so because that's definitely a movie that of all of these type of films I think that's a watch in the theater experience. Correct. Yep. Big loud get that music in. So thumbs up for uh, for Elvis from Shane. Uh, the next one on the docket I believe uh you guys both watched uh the latest Netflix action <clears throat> comedy The Man from Toronto starring Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson, I will start with Chris. Thumbs up or thumbs down for the man from Toronto? I have a limerick. There once was a man from Toronto whose reputation preceded his follow. His methods are scary. Unorthodox, maybe? Everyone thinks it's Kevin Hart, though. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if this movie's any good, maybe that's a t-shirt, but go ahead. Uh, it's not. It's a thumb uh... down for me. No, no, nah. It just... Oh, my God. What didn't work? Everything. Everything didn't work. Like, it just seemed like Woody Harrelson was in a separate movie from Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart thought he was in the Kevin Hart movie. Right. Where you're going to confuse these two as being the same man, he being a uh, hired contract killer, right. or, or, or someone who influences his victims. I don't really know okay. what his deal is. He's, he's a legend. Right. Okay. Uh, and then Kevin Hart, uh, because of uh, using an old school method of finding places, uh, printing them out uh, the directions on paper, mm -hmm. and due to low toner, uh, <laughs> he can't make out the numbers. He gets to the wrong address, and he's thought to be Woody Harrelson's character. And so then this... for some reason, they're paired off the rest of the time. So this movie takes place in 1997? <laughs> Present day. Present day. That is wild. Is he yeah. using MapQuest? That'll get you every time. Yeah, it was. And uh they're breaking uh breaking chops that he had a hotmail account. Uh oh like who has a hotmail account anymore? Kevin Hart is apparently sixty seven years old. Uh Shane, did you also feel negative about this one? Thumbs down, buddy. Thumbs ah, down. Man. Uh like Chris said, Woody Harrelson was probably the best part of the movie. And not in some of his scenes made me cringe. The Kevin Hart stuff was just like kevin hart it just they just didn't have any chemistry together at all the action scenes were okay so you could tell they put some money to the fight choreography there were some decent you know fight scenes but here's the biggest crime that this movie can make it didn't make me laugh chuckle mm. sneer at all and here's one thing i like to bring up because we talked about emma thomas last week i'll tell you who i won't bang emma and thomas that is El nope ellen barkin will not bang ellen barkin I'm talking about Aww. older actresses, she's in this film. And on the record, real quick, since uh, this is a more mature podcast, I'm going to stop using <laughs> the word bang to describe what I would do to actresses. So, I, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to try to mature. I just want you guys to know that. So that's the last time I'll be using that phrase. Thumbs down all around for this movie. Yeah. Apparently that movie is not a banger. Okay, moving forward. <laughs> um, he did it. I did cha -cha -cha. it. I actually own uh, or pay for Paramount Plus, everybody, and I decided to actually use it this week. 
I watched two, count them, two originals that went straight to Paramount+. Plus. I watched Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Yeah. Are, are you guys fans uh, of the show, all that? Yes. Uh, back in the day, yeah. Back in the day, yep. Yeah. Were you a fan of do, uh, Beavis and Butthead do America? Because I think that is a hilarious movie, too. It's well, great. Yeah, the that's theater. great. Yep. yep. Right. So this movie, I don't think is as funny as do America, but I also thought this movie was not going to be good. And what I'll tell you is I, I'm, I was looking up the scores for this movie and I was pleasantly surprised in many ways. Number one, they have a 97 Rotten Tomatoes score with an 89% on the audience score. So that is insane that a lot of people like this movie. 7.2 IMDb, <laughs> three and a half letterbox. And you know what the best part is, guys? This is Kismet. Guess what their meta score was? What is it? 69. 69. Oh, <laughs> you <laughs> couldn't do it any better with a 69 meta score for this movie. God. It is better than it has any right to be. Uh, like I said, it's not as good as Do America, but it definitely satisfies any fans of the original series, including myself. Uh, it doesn't get too in the weeds of like, even though there's futuristic stuff, like they go through a black hole and they end up in 2022. Um, it definitely doesn't do a lot of like comparing our future to the present and kind of like going through a lot of that stuff. There's some of that, like there's some iPhone jokes and whatever else, but it does more get into the typical types of laughs that you come to expect. Um, which yes, I said, come. Um, <laughs> um, getting hired by NASA to basically shove a phallic ship into a hole is basically money in the bank, and they play that shit over and over and over, and it's hilarious every single time. That whole first, I'd say, first half of the movie before they kind of go into space and everything is just solid. It's absolutely solid. So as it may get, in, like I said, into the weeds a little bit in terms of like you're traveling through space and doing the whole thing, there's some still some very funny things there, but... At first part, it just felt like a long Beavis and Butthead episode, and I just said long, and that is hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to call it every time. But yeah, absolutely a thumbs up for this one. Um, not a huge one, but if you're a fan of the show, you're not going to go wrong. Uh, awesome. The other Paramount Plus movie I watched was Jerry and Marge Go Large. This is directed by David Frankel, who did Devil's we Devil Wears Prada, Marley and Me. Um, yeah, so everybody write hate mail to him for ruining whatever day when you watch Marley and Me. Uh, this stars Brian Cranston and Annette Benning, as well as Rain Wilson, Larry Wilmore, Michael McKeon, and a bunch of other very good character actors uh, that do an amazing job of this story that is based on a true story about a couple, Jerry and Marge, who win the lottery and use the money to revive their small town. Um, but basically, winning the lottery doesn't, do it justice he has like a whole formula he basically figures out a loophole in a specific type of lottery game and just continues to rack it up rack it up and uses it to, for good which is amazing and then it enters there's kind of like another group and then there's some like infighting with that and and kind of rivalry stuff it's it's a fun and endearing movie that basically is catnip for an older crowd, like my parents would absolutely love this movie, and it, you might as well watch it now before you get to the weekend, you know, July Fourth picnics, where your uncle's gonna be like, "Did you see? Did you see that uh, Maj Collage movie?" Um, and 
<laughs> and yeah, I, I definitely recommend to watch. This is a, a thumbs up. It's not a huge, like, emphatic one, but for a movie that's, I don't know, an hour and 40 minutes, beautiful. It's a throwback <clears throat> that could have been plucked, you know, one of those mid budget dramedies plucked from the late 90s or early 2000s. So I enjoyed that. Um, another movie that I hear excellent things about uh, is something that Shane watched over this week RRR, which is. It's a Pakistani film or Indian? Indian. Indian. So it's more uh, in the Bollywood vein. But, yes. But from what I hear, it's like Michael Bayish meets Bollywood. It's exactly that. It's set in the 1920s when Britain was in control of, of India. You have these two different revolutionaries with two different missions. They meet each other and that's, well, the movie takes off in the very first scene. Like the very first scene I had to like, like it made me pay attention and I'm like, what the hell is going it's nuts. It was like literally some of the fight choreography is some of the best I've ever seen on screen before. It is wildly over the top, but in the best kind of way. Like I kept thinking Michael Bay probably wishes he could direct something like this recently. <laughs> like he just hasn't. And some of the fight stuff reminded me of the night comes for us as far as like it's Wow. It's like just crazy over the top twenty minute long fight sequence. It's not Holy as hell. bloody and gory as that, obviously. But man, it is solid. They had musical songs in here, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Not a Shane movie. That that part is not a Shane part. No. And this movie is every bit of three hours and seven minutes. Woof. Um, uh, Ray Stevenson, uh, you know him. He plays like the main villain in this movie, which I okay. found kind of surprising. But man, the, the choreographed scenes were just bananas in the, the best way possible. The music, everything, I was into it. I... I think I told you when I got done, this right now, as it stands, is in my top 10 films of the year. I gave wow. this a four point, I would give this a 4.5 out of five. Holy just based hell. On, just based on pure entertainment value. I heard alone. a lot of uh, uh, other people say that, that the, it was just like, that this makes room on my, and, my tops. I was like, and as silly as it is, there are some like plot holes, like, oh man, it doesn't make sense. They actually go back and fill you in, so it's a little more hmm. slickly written than it should be as well. So four point five, double thumbs up, like pfft, best movie I've seen in a while. Yeah, once I get over that three hour, uh, you know, three hours slightly plus uh, t- uh, timing on that, I, that's the hardest part for me. Especially I had to like, break it up. Yeah, and uh, I'm sad that a lot of the buzz for this movie happened after it left the theaters around our area. So. I had it right down the street for a long time, and I was like, I don't know what that is. But I always saw, like, these high ratings for it. But I was like, yeah, but I don't know about that. You know, I I, I couldn't be like, oh, well, of course, because that's this Indian director that I know or something. Not that case. So, ah, shame that I missed it because that sounds like a spectacle that would have been awesome in the movie theaters. Um, the last thing is my highest recommendation for stuff that I watched over the week the bear which is a new show that is on hulu fx for hulu it is brought to you by the creator chris storer who worked on things like Raimi for hulu uh this stars jeremy allen white as carmen um he of course uh from shameless uh for a very long time have you seen him there's also evan moss bachrock as richie ao adibri as sydney uh, and a bunch of small role cameos by ya boy Shane John Bernthal, uh, 
Joel McHale is here as well, Oliver Platt, and even Molly Ringwald is in an episode of this movie, uh, uh, movie, this show. Uh, it is eight 30 minute episodes. They're all available right now. You can binge the crap out of it in 8.5 on IMDb. And I would actually give it higher than that. I gave it a nine on my own personal one. It's about uh, a brilliant young chef from the fine dining world. Who's forced to return home to run his family's sandwich shop. The original beef of Chicagoland. So yes, this is a Chicago-based story. Uh, after a heartbreaking death in his family, uh, a world away from what he's used to, Car- uh, Carmi must balance the soul-crushing reality of trading in Michelin star restaurants for the small business kitchen filled with strong-willed staff and his strained, familiar relationships, all while grappling with the impact of his brother's suicide. Um, this series is an anxiety attack brought to life. It is so frenetic. It is so engrossing, though, and it's incredibly emotional. It is, it's delicious. Uh, it's a restaurant show, so I couldn't help myself there. Um, it's a show so good that you get mad. Like we said with Barry, you get mad that it's such a short season. Like I said, eight half-hour episodes. Um, I love how the show transforms people in like this subtle arc that feels earned and plausible, which is very hard to do with those kind of run times and the the short season that it is. I love how Chicago is not just a backdrop. They actually like kind of integrate. You feel very much integrated into Chicago and, you know, all the different settings that they're, they do here, even though it's mostly in that restaurant. Um, I also love how it tackles drug abuse, mental illness, like the shrapnel of family, uh, after something very catastrophic like a suicide uh, gets left behind uh, between all the people who work there and the f- family who's still reeling from that. And on a on a brighter note, it has an amazing soundtrack. Unbelievable. True. And especially, I believe all of us like this type of music. They use uh, Refuse New Noise so many times. Love that song. It, they use it many times as this kind of like this building anxiety in him. And it's always that ticka, 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 yep. ticka. And so I'm like, yes, it's amazing. But then they always, they have all these like cool, more chilled out stuff, like some good Counting Crows, Wilco, Van Morrison, R.E.M. Like I was literally like, while I'm watching, I'm like, you know, writing down songs that maybe I hadn't heard by some of those artists. And it was amazing. So this is a very big recommendation from me and as shane said with rrr where it like climbed the charts this is one of those shane where i was like i'm adding it to the list of it's going to be hard to pick between this barry the boys and stranger things well you got me it's that good i like the actor who played lip on shameless by the way so like i usually like will follow whatever he's in so i did see commercials for the show i had it written down for me to start watching I just haven't gotten to it yet because I'm watching stuff like the man from Toronto instead. So what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> well, like I said, man, you got only four hours of content here. So it's it's not hard to get through. And it books. It moves so fast. Some episodes feel even shorter, like it's only in the 20s maybe. But wow. Yeah, it, like that, so that first episode, it just blends right into the second. It, it was so quick. So I, I watched the first two. Uh, it's got me engaged. Both uh, my wife and I, we were into it, and we actually thought it was going to be a weekly drop, but it's it's binged. It, yeah. You know, obviously, Andrew, you you've seen basically yeah. all of them. I've seen um, all of them. Yeah, I, I I finished today, and I was just like, I have to put this on the pod today. 
but it's crazy how like you know how uh spielberg usually has the uh the people talking over each other yeah and you kind of you can make out the conversation but when carmy and uh richie are talking and they're trying to talk over each other it's maddening because you're like who do i listen to yeah because well, uh, here here's the thing never listen to richie <laughs> yeah that's true that is true because he's trying to get like uh the wrong cock and yeah. uh and the girl's like no i got the right stuff he's like oh yeah. good good he's so frustrating throughout this but basically he's a he's the classic hometown chicago like lives and breathes fucking you know by the way i as i say fucking I hope you don't shy away from language because they say fucking 400 times an episode. So, and everything is about like roasting each other, ribbing each other, and then just some straight venom where it's just loud arguments and just amazing stuff. Um, and I'm leaving leaving out even some spoiler stuff of some episodes, especially because, Chris, you haven't uh, finished it up, that is... There's a couple of even like hilarious moments where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. But, and this show is listed as a comedy on the Hulu page. This is not, this is not, uh, th this is way more uh, intense to be called a comedy. <laughs> I want to know who chooses the, uh, the uh, categories. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, it's like, you know, drama and then like you're laughing through it and you're like how is this a drama it's like yeah. yes there's some bad things that happen but you're laughing you know and then with this yeah it's a serious subject of uh drugs uh, a death in the family uh trying to to deal with a, a failing business but you're yeah. someone who you know wants to see it succeed you know there's funny parts in it but overall it's just like it's it's got some heavy uh subject matter yeah it's an amazing show like I said, high recommendation from me. Um, and after this break, we will get to whether we recommend people finish up Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. Stick with us. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the forgotten entertainment family all right we're back and we're here to talk about obi-wan kenobi if you've listened to our reactions to previous episodes of this um you probably are not gonna <laughs> think we're gonna turn around on this series we've kind of taken it behind the woodshed on this one uh many times as we've gone through we kind of covered through episode four of the six uh, the series wrapped up uh, this past Wednesday, and I will say with even even it being like episodes four, five, and six, it, it I would say the episodes got better as the series went along, but there would be such horrible things in them that th this show is still not good. Like, for, if I was to put a rating on it before we get to like actual things, it's got to be like a two at best out of five 
and I, I, and, and depending on the day, I know. And I, 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 I just because I don't know, there, I, I probably could go lower, but I mean, th- this still does bring up certain things that you're gonna like. And and again, I can't fault you and McGregor. I think this is completely a written and directed nightmare more than it is a performance nightmare, especially because I know what he's capable of when it matters. But I'll I'll start with this. My biggest problem with this show overall, because we don't have to get into each individual of the ones we didn't cover for five and six. But what I will say, when you make a prequel show (laughs) where there are no stakes for certain familiar characters, i.e. Obi-Wan, Vader, Leia, Luke, Uncle Owen, Aunt Maru, etc., 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 then the new characters have to be the most compelling thing about the show and have real stakes that matter. That is why the fact that Reva's story being mishandled is the main reason why this show does not succeed. And I would say the last three episodes, even though there's some things that maybe people could point to, like, well, you had to have liked this, it doesn't matter because Reva's story got so mishandled, and I don't know how she even survives, And all the things that kind of like coincide make no sense. And we've talked about at length of how this could have been better, of how they could have resituated Reva's situation, cleared it up. It's basically, it's confusing. It's a bumbling mess. And it's basically, it could have been a real reason why Obi-Wan would go back into hiding for the next 10 years. But instead it created more question about canon storylines which is the thing that always bothers me the most when they go backwards talking about characters that already exist in something that I already like. And you can tell that these things aren't working because every article I see on sites like the Nerdist are explainer articles saying why something actually didn't get messed up in the timeline, which is not the response you want to see from your show. So that is definitely my biggest problem. And I... Even things that I thought worked, like, I will say the part where in the second Vader fight where the duel happens between Obi-Wan and Vader, uh, where Anakin's face is revealed, and it's that cool imagery of, like, the split face and, and him going back and forth between the robot voice and his own and that kind of thing, that was actually pretty cool. Most other things in this show are ridiculous, <laughs> and it doesn't work for me. Uh, Chris... Where do you uh, where do you stand with all this, man? First of all, I quit the show. Um, <laughs> how dare you make me watch this stuff? No. Um, yeah. It, it, listen, I, I'm obviously not the audience for this show. I think it's for fans of the prequels. This is an extension of the prequels. Agreed. Uh, they love it. I'm a fan of the original trilogy. Probably not a, the biggest fan uh, compared to others, but there's certain things that I you know, glom onto that make me... Sorry, I'm laughing at Shane twitching while you're, <laughs> you're giving your review. There's, there's certain things that I, uh, I glom onto uh, with the original trilogy that this either straight up ignores or kind of weaves in a certain direction. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about the end of it, right? So spoilers abound. Uh, yeah. When he approaches Luke and gives him the toy, Luke's basically talking to him like he's a stranger, right? But he's smiling like he knew him when he was approached. 
He gets this yeah. toy that we see later on. And I'm just like, what, what, does everyone have like, uh, what was it, face blindness that Brad Pitt has? <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they don't remember. Leia doesn't remember him, you know, in, on the adventure they had for a week. The Leia thing is way more egregious because at least Luke passes out for a bit and he's always and you don't know if I met one of my dad's friends when I was 10 and I didn't remember him. That's kind of plausible. But if there's some extra stuff here, it's just dumb. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just like, you know, oh, you know, he has to approach, give him the thing and, you know, just see that he's there for him if he needs him. But then yeah. he's treated like a stranger later on in canon whatever yeah he refers to it, he's like what do you mean old ben yeah. like never sees him whatever or, yeah. or like has this very casual relationship but at oh, the, the same hermit? time <laughs> yeah and and basically like at the end of this he seems to be like more geared up to to meet him or to do other things i i don't get why he would go back to being a hermit again in seclusion for 10 more years yeah. when he already faced the empire he faced down vader he did all these things like wouldn't he be empowered to kind of just be like i own this fucking town nobody's coming here right uh i think overall it's poorly written it really you it know is. you put characters in certain situations uh you back them into a corner and you can't avoid that you, yeah. you can't write around that um and the fact that it's six episodes that you you just like you, you wasted your resources yeah, because there's plenty to choose from, but you you gave a situation that wasn't needed for a character yeah. that, quite frankly, I wasn't jazzed on seeing. No, I, I really didn't care about his backstory. I saw him in a different light. I saw him as, uh, as like uh, a monk, you know. Yeah, uh, he he is capable of living on his own. He has a certain code that he lives by, and. Uh, he's forced to fight the bad guy, you yeah. know. But overall, I just, I, I, there was nothing that I could grab from this that I was like, you know, I really enjoyed this week to week. There was nothing. Yeah. There, there really wasn't. And also, I've said this before too. I don't buy Palpatine not talking to him until the very end, because the way we have always seen that they're joined at the hip. That he doesn't blink without talking to to Palpatine. So the fact that we don't get him until the very end, so that way we can kind of see a Vader off the chain, it's dumb. It's unbelievably dumb. And we've also talked at length about, you know, this is not the Vader. I like, I understand it a little bit more because he's a little more immature, but it's closer to the Rogue One thing, which annoys the hell out of me, yeah, um, versus how it goes with the original trilogy more, you know, I don't want to say stately, but composed, even when force choking people, uh, version of oh, yeah. Darth Vader. I, I will take that every single time because, um, as I've heard it put very well, um, and I believe, shout out to Insufferable Bastards who brought us yep. up again uh, this past week. I like the, the notion of Darth Vader is the shark from Jaws where they use him limited. You know, they don't do these overblown long fight scenes these things that him always around killing kids which by the way that's the worst thing of the reba thing where it's like yeah, yeah, yeah i let him do whatever he wants uh he's just you know killing kids in episode what two yeah three whatever it was um and just being like yep ca you know another casualty who cares how often does he do this oh <laughs> you know God. um 
brutal. So yeah, this uh, this story doesn't make any sense, and I'm still on record of this was probably a movie to start, and I think the movie is probably without Leia, and I think it makes way more sense for him to kind of, it would make way more sense to him to deal with someone like Reva on his own in a more succinct movie than six hours of whatever the hell we just got. Shane? I know, uh, like I said, you're kind of like the eye twitching, like just shaking your head. Um, obviously, I'm thinking you still didn't enjoy this experience. I told Chris, and I think I told you, I feel like we're taking crazy pills because I hear nothing but praise from this damn show. And I just don't know what galaxy we're living in, apparently. I because know. it's like you said, it, there were some brief moments from like, oh, that was a decent scene. And then it gets torn down by just, just ridiculous stuff the rest of the episode. Yeah. And again, you have no stakes at all. Like when Obi like detaches his plane, he's like, Me and Vader are gonna settle this once and for all. I'm like, eh, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, this is gonna be good. And apparently lightsabers aren't fatal anymore. You get stabbed right in the gut, yep. still live. Still uh, good. My other issues is the whole Joel Edger- Edgerton, like, why waste a talent on him for what? What was he in two scenes in the entire movie? And yeah. that and that whole showdown with him and Reva and the aunt, I'm like, what are you guys, what are you going to home alone her? Like, what are you, yes, what are you, what are you exactly doing? that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, the Reva thing, again, is the most egregious thing in this show. Because what she did after Vader pretty much left her for dead made no sense, at, no sense at all. None. <laughs> like, the her with the Luke stuff, like, why? Why? Like, he, like, oh, that storyline went Yeah, nowhere. so she overhears something. So now she's like, ooh, cool, another kid to kill? Like, that's the opposite of what she's been talking about. Right. That, it, it, it made zero sense, and it just made me upset. And the whole Leia thing, we've already bashed this, like, uh, I can't even talk about it anymore. But, like, when she's bossing Ice Cube around, and she's up in the circuits trying to get the gate open... <laughs> Uh, I'm like, oh, God, just can she get electrocuted up there and just kill her off? Just kill her <laughs> off. Just yeah. kill her off. But the whole thing is just upsetting. The writing is poor. And again, it's not Ewan McGregor's fault. The Vader scene like you described was probably the best part of the last two episodes. I didn't care much for the rock fight that ensued before that. Like, that yeah. thought that was a little ridiculous, but... And, and we talked off, like, the whole fact that Vader can pull a ship out of the sky and if right. they're even close to equal footing... He's going to get out of that hole. Right. And oh, by the way, I mean, like, Jesus Christ, how fast can you get from wherever the hell they were to Tatooine? Because the instant he kind of sort of thinks Luke is in trouble, man, he just gets on a ship and he's there before the fight's over. I was like, damn, that is some fast stuff there, Obi-Wan, which, God, I don't know. That whole thing, everything that happened on Tatooine, I completely agree. The 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 trying to retcon to make Aunt Beru and and Owen uh, heroes, yeah. even though they completely get murdered, <laughs> we know like ten years later. They were babysitters. Um, that's it. Yeah, how, where do they get the gall to be like? Yeah, we could take on a Jedi as long as we home alone our house. Right. What? <laughs> Are you stupid? Are you dumb? And not to mention, they had enough fair warning. That they easily could have gone somewhere. Yeah, a whole night. Why, why did they fortify the home and wait until dark? Are you dumb? I, I yes, find the it, answer would be yes. I find yeah. it funny that uh, Amphiru she went to like that little compartment and yeah. and got something. And Joel's like, you know, what do you got there? I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like there was a role reversal. Like she, you know, I hate to say she was poorly written throughout the original trilogy. Mm. And yeah. maybe even this, but 
she didn't really do much and then suddenly she's this badass yeah i'm like calm yeah. down with that stuff that's what that's the stuff i mean there was inconsistencies uh it was poorly written and uh you know what i'm going on record any future prequel whatever bs i'm yeah. not in i'm out <laughs> I I don't want to watch uh, the next one. What the hell is it? Cassie and Andor show. Andor. The Andor. Forget yeah. that show. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I want to just go forward, and that's it. I'm just here for the Mandalorian. That is all the Star Wars I care about right now. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll say, for even how much I enjoy the Mandalorian, the stuff with Luke, I'm glad is kind of over, because that to me was is the it? part that actually took me out. Well, I'm hoping now that you know, not this. I don't want to spoil another show yeah, for people if they're not caught up on the Mandalorian. No, no, but like, know. you know, but who knows where that's actually going to go? But you're right. But I'm. I, it looks like it's maybe starting to peter out. Um, but hopefully, you know, that continues to be good. But you're right. I, I, I'm. I thought I was out of this show, and then the trailer <laughs> looked good, and I was like, you know what? Let's do it. You know, whatever. And then, <sighs> should have known. Should have known. And then once we open up the door where we covered the first three episodes, I was like, well, at least we'll we'll get back to it and at least recap it. But, yeah, it has not been an enjoyable week-to-week thing. Um, and, and the same thing, though, when I uh, – what were you and I going to see? Something where uh, – uh, maybe it was the Adam Project, something like that, where it was like uh, I had watched the Andor trailer before you arrived, and I was like, hey, man, that kind of looks good. And now I feel like, god damn it. Um, am I going to do this again? Yes, but you are. Was, I uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, you are, not me. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> but yeah, at least you know maybe we'll we'll play it to where uh, you know we'll, we'll watch it first and then go. Does it deserve it? Instead of being like, "Hey, everybody, we're going to do this thing," and then you know bring it to every, and then people hate us when we we rip it <laughs> apart mean, or whatever else. I'll stay on the episode. You guys can spoil the crap about it with me, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm probably just gonna be over here crapping on it. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, and if it's bad, you'll be like sitting there. You yes. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> uh, it's an often quoted uh, uh, scene, and I will be gladly uh, recreating it every time. Yes, in your ear hooded cloak. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go visual now. We have to be a visual yeah. medium now. So any other uh, issues or anything else you want to air out before we wrap this thing up? Um, no, I think we spent an, more than enough time on this bad show. That's all I'll say. This, yeah. it, it got more shine than it deserved from us. And let's just turn the page and bury Obi-Wan on Tatooine forever. I got Yes, our national crisis is over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Obi-Wan bad, all over with. Thank goodness. Uh. Um, we'll, we'll stick to our still weekly shows of... The boys uh, still kicking ass every single week. And then, of course, this weekend is when Stranger Things Season 4 Volume 2 comes out. I cannot wait. Um, have you guys watched the trailer or are you, you staying radio silent on radio that stuff so you don't want to look? I watched the trailer. I can't help myself. And oh, I so am counting down the damn seconds till Friday. It's like anything else I'm interested in. I'm, I'm going to watch it regardless. I, I don't need a trailer for it. I know, but sometimes I want to be like, oh, man, look at that. He's got, like, a flamethrower and shit. And you're like, yeah. He's got a what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> come on. Why is Vecna have a flamethrower? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, man, I, yeah, I can't wait. That is exactly what we're going to cover for next week. 
Um, I'm sure Shane will, you know, regale us maybe off mic or in future episodes of the Terminal List, the Chris Pratt show that is out this weekend. And who knows? Maybe I'll catch up and, and watch Elvis and some other fun things. But if not, man, just everybody enjoy their 4th of July and enjoy their viewing weekend and come back and hang out with us again for more recent activities.